الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين My brothers and sisters once again السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته And today before we start our class inshallah ta'ala we'll make a dua for our brothers and sisters who are suffering and those who were slain and killed in Gaza in Palestine so say ameen Allahumma inna nas'aluka bi asma'ika al-husna wa sifatika al-ula أن تحفظ إخواننا في فلسطين وفي غزة اللهم ارحم موتاهم اللهم تقبل شهداءهم اللهم اجعلهم أحياء عندك يرزقون اللهم انصرهم على عدوهم اللهم اجعل أولادهم فرطا وذخرا لهم اللهم وتقبلهم واحشرهم مع الأنبياء والصديقين والشهداء وحسن أولئك رفيقا اللهم احفظهم وبدل خوفهم أمنا اللهم وانصرهم على من عاداهم اللهم احفظهم برعايتك يا أكرم الأكرمين ويا أرحم الراحمين اللهم قوهم اللهم كن معهم اللهم اجعل الجنة هي مأواهم اللهم واجمع شملهم في رحابك يا أرحم الراحمين وكن ناصرا وعونا لهم يا أكرم الأكرمين اللهم اغفر لنا على تقصيرنا ولا تؤاخذنا بما فعل السفهاء منا اللهم أعنا على نصرتهم وتقبل دعاءنا يا أرحم الراحمين ويا أكرم الأكرمين oh Allah, we ask you in your glorious names and lofty attributes to bless and protect and look after our brothers and sisters in Gaza and Palestine and everywhere else oh Allah, bless them and have mercy upon their martyrs and accept them among the living with you whom you provide with the shuhada, the martyrs, the prophets and the righteous ones oh Allah, give them victory against their enemy. O oh Allah, unite them in goodness, love, and strength. O oh Allah, strengthen their feet. O oh Allah, make their children among the green birds in paradise and make them await for them at the fountain of Rasulullah sallam. And make their children awaiting them at the doors of Jannah in which they will not enter without their parents and family. O oh Allah, strengthen them and protect them and change their fears into security and amen. O oh Allah, be with them. O oh Allah, forgive our shortcomings. O oh Allah, you know our shortcomings and our inability to help more than what we can. O oh Allah, strengthen us and allow us to help them in any way that you bless us with. O oh Allah, change the state of this ummah into goodness and change their fears into security and unite the ummah in goodness, love and iman. O oh Allah, assist us and help us and strengthen us and guide us. Ameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. My brothers and sisters, today insha'Allah ta'ala, as we remember our brothers and sisters in Gaza and Palestine and all around the world. We remember the oppressed, it is daunting. And of course, as the Prophet said, The similitude and the example of the believers to one another in their compassion and kindness and mercy to one another is like one body. If one part of this body is in pain, the rest of the body begins to stay up at night as if it is stricken with fever and pain. So we are stricken with fever and pain for our brothers and sisters and our hearts are with them even though our bodies cannot be with them. We make dua for them. We are vocal to support them and to raise our voices in their defense and in their support. We walk together and we protest and raise our voices. We seek anything that helps them. We donate to them. We give our charity to them. 
We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect them. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for goodness for them and us. Brothers and sisters, even though we are going through this catastrophe and this sadness, the guidance from Allah does not stop. And our ummah does not halt. And we do not stop learning our deen and our iman. We don't stop our prayers, we don't stop our fasting, we don't stop our sadaqah, we don't stop our good work. We don't stop cultivating our minds and raising our youth and our children. We don't stop teaching each other and doing work in our communities in that which pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and developing and growing and learning and reading and educating ourselves. We don't stop that. For the Prophet wasallam, whenever he was in battle, battle of Badr, battle of Uhud, battle of Khandaq, any kind of battle, the battle of Khandaq in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, الحناجر, In that state, the believers were in such a fearful moment. They were in such anxiety and fear. Allah describes their state as if their hearts had reached their necks. You know, when you're so scared, you feel like your heart is pumping so hard. It's as if right here at your neck, <coughs> you can't even swallow. And yet Rasulullah was teaching them about the etiquettes of eating and sleeping. The etiquettes of making wudu and what breaks the wudu and how to make up their salat while they were under siege. So brothers and sisters, don't ever think that if we talk about topics of deen that we are forgetting our brothers and sisters. Wallahi, this is where the nasr comes from. This is where the victory comes from. Allah says in the Quran, وَالْعَصْرُ إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَفِي خُسْرُ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالْحَقِّ وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالصَّبْرِ By time that is running out. By time that is running out. Surely man is always in loss. You're losing time. You're losing your life. You're losing your age. You're losing your provision. You are nearing death. And you are in loss if you are just following this world to accumulate from it and that's it. You're losing because everything you accumulate is going to go. In the end, you're going to die and leave it all behind. Even your children, your family, yourself, everything. You are in loss. Living in this life by virtue of it, it is losing out. The world is ending. You are ending. You and I is ending. If the material world is our gain, you are in loss because nothing lasts. Except who? Rasulullah said four things. Except those who truly believe and have strong faith. You learn about your faith and your belief and your deen and you make sure that it's right, clear of any shirk or wrongfulness or misguidance. You follow the Quran and the Sunnah and you learn about it constantly. After your belief, you continue to do righteous actions. What are the righteous actions? Anything that pleases Allah. Anything Rasulullah stood and taught us as a role model. And you continue as a community, reminding each other and urging each other and encouraging one another and enjoining one another with compassion and mercy and goodness and wanting for your brothers and sisters what you love for yourself. That which is truth, meaning you help each other to stand firm on truth. You keep reminding your brothers and sisters, come back. That's the wrong way, brother and sister. Wallahi, my heart is with you. Let us learn the right path. You correct me, I correct you. We stand on truth. Because once you're on false, we lose ourselves. We lose everything. And they enjoin each other, encourage each other, and motivate each other, and are there for each other, and pick up each other, and save each other. By what? By encouraging, reminding each other to remain patient. There are so many things around us that pull us down. Draw us back, 
push us away. We, sometimes we go with the wrong friends. Sometimes certain desires tempt us. Sometimes we get too busy with materialism. Sometimes things make us doubt. If we are not a community, we will lose each other. As Rasulullah said, like a flock of sheep, if one sheep goes away from the flock, the wolf will go after the sheep that is alone. So what are the four things? Our faith and belief. Our actions of righteousness, we enjoin as a community to remind each other and keep each other on truth. And we enjoin and we continue to remind each other and help each other on patience and perseverance. Until we die, we keep helping each other. You're going through a mental problem, you're going through a financial problem, going through a family problem, going through a physical problem, you're going through any kind of problem. And we reach out to each other, inshallah. All of us as a community, not on one person, but as a community, inshallah, to be patient and steadfast and keep going. We make dua for each other. This is what it means. These are the four ingredients and the only four things that matter in this world. If you go outside of them, then you are in loss. You're losing everything. My brothers and sisters, even after all of that, this evening I want to talk to the young people. Why do I want to talk to the young people? I want to talk to the young people because the young people are the ones who are the next generation. I want to talk to the young people because it is the young people who are going to make the change in what is to come. Your generation and the following generation, insha'Allah. The world we live in right now is open now, is open to a new civilization, a new culture, new morality new ethics, new guidance. This young generation, not the old generation, this young generation is different. Wallahi, it's different. Muslim and non-Muslim, they're open to stand for anything they believe is the right thing and they don't care. Even if whatever people or even authorities try to manipulate them with, they read, they learn. They stand together on truth. You as a believer, you also stand on truth and all that, but we've got one extra thing, that your intention is for the sake of Allah. You have a belief, you have an iman. Allah says in the Quran, if you fall or go through any pain or hardships, they also go through hardships. Meaning, whether you're a believer or not, everyone goes through hardships. Everybody feels pain in the same way. You're both human. Don't think that you, because you're a believer, that Allah is going to send a thousand angels to lift you and protect you from everything. No, you are the same as everyone else. We are all in a test in this world. And the time this test ends is at our death. He says, you feel pain and they feel pain. But one thing is different. You as believers in the truth of the Quran and Sunnah, the truth of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has presented, you have a hope. You have a hope which they cannot have. And I've heard on social media so many non-Muslims and even atheists have now coming up and saying, we have chosen now to read the Qur'an. You'll say, I'm an atheist, but I've chosen to read the Qur'an. Why? Because they are saying, we want to know how and why those men, women and children in Gaza, through all the atrocities that they're going through, through everything that will make you lose hope, they are only getting stronger. What is the hope that keeps them going? We want to read this Quran. We want to know how are they facing persecution and oppression and pain. Their children are being massacred and chopped to pieces in front of them. Yet they, strong, they stand even stronger in their iman. We want to know what the secret is because they don't. They don't know what the secret is. 
Most people who become atheists is not because logically they were not convinced. That's only part of the reason. But it's because they cannot understand the meaning of suffering and why God would create people with suffering on this earth. They can't explain it. They can't interpret it. Whereas, did you know that Islam is the only religion which emphasizes, emphasizes to embrace suffering and to love it? We look at it positively, suffering. The mindset is different. Because when you look at suffering in a positive light, you know that Allah is putting you through this hardship for a reason. And that hardship is your test for the hereafter. Or there is good that's going to come out of it. Or Allah has a plan. Or you're learning from mistakes that you made. A Muslim never looks at suffering in a negative light. If you do, then you are punishing yourself. Don't ever ask the question, how do I know if Allah is punishing me or not? That's a wrong question. The question is, how should you be facing that suffering? Which will determine if it becomes a punishment or a blessing for you. It's you. It was always been you. It's never been Allah. It's you. Allah gives you them as a blessing in disguise. Didn't you hear when Allah says, As a matter of fact, indeed, with every one hardship, there are many eases. And Allah repeats it again. With every hardship, there are many eases. Meaning, suffering is a blessing in disguise. A child, a baby, does not learn how to walk and stand up without falling many times. They have to feel the pain. They don't know that the fire burns until they feel the heat. You don't know what forgiveness is until somebody has done something wrong to you, or you've done wrong to them. You don't know what mercy is until blessings are taken away and comfort. We don't know. You don't become a doctor. You don't become a leader. You don't become a helper. You don't become a person of welfare and, and a person who does goodness without seeing the opposite, the suffering. You don't follow the truth without knowing the false. You don't know the good without knowing the evil. Brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us in this world for a test. And that test is short. And until you can accept that, you will not find the true happiness that you're looking for. Brothers and sisters, let us move now to the young people. You young people, you are full of resilience, full of energy, full of creativity. You don't fear much. We fear more. As you get older, you fear more. You, got, you hold on more. You hold on to your children more. You hold on to your money more. You hold on to life more. Because you know you're getting closer to the grave. That's just very natural. Except the muttaqin, those who have been raised in their youth, in taqwa and piety. Young people don't think as much like that. Because they think, I've still got my life ahead of me. I've still got my strength. I've still got time. Maybe they don't have much money, but they have time. They have strength. They have energy. They have their life ahead of them, inshallah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls this stage of life quwwa. Allah says, we created you first out of weakness, meaning as babies. Then after weakness, we gave you strength. For a period of time. And then after that period of time of strength, we resorted you back to weakness, meaning old age. So Allah called the youth the strength. What is youth? Youth is from puberty, as soon as you hit puberty, till about 35, and some scholars said 40 years old. There is even a minority view up to 50, because prophets were sent 
um, not past 40 years old, they became prophets. And most prophets of Islam, most messengers of Islam were always, most of them were under 40 years old. Some of them were sent as prophets at puberty, teenagers. Some at 30, some at 20, they were all young. And we know, for example, Isa alayhi salam, Jesus, most likely it's accepted that he was about 30 to 33 years old. Ibrahim alayhi salam, when he first came out as a prophet, he was a teenager. He was a fata. Fata in Arabic means a teenager. We have fata, we have ghulam, we have shab, we have all these names. Fata is somebody who has just blossomed. So if you look at a boy who is a fata, he is a teenager, about 13, 14, 15, 16. It's when they've got light hair on their face. That's called a fata. Ibrahim was a fata when he was a prophet. That's when the statues and idols were broken. They said, we heard of a fata, a young teenager. His name is Ibrahim. Ibrahim alayhi salam. Who do you think were around the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam? Most of the Prophet's companions were younger than him. Even, I think only one companion, maybe Abu Bakr was slightly older or maybe younger, I'm not sure. But the majority of them were younger than him. Most of the companions were between 14 or even 11 years old till about 30. Umar ibn al-Khattab was 27 years old when he converted, when he embraced Islam. Abu Bakr was 36 when he memorized the entire Quran. Anas ibn Malik was 11 and 10 years old. <laughs> Abdullah ibn Abbas, 11, 12, 13 years old. Ali was 10 years old. Zayd ibn Thabit, 16 years old, when the Prophet, 18 years old, when the Prophet وسلم, made him the commander of the army. Mus'ab ibn Umayr was barely 20 years old when he sent him as the ambassador of Islam to Medina. And when he turned Medina into Muslims, they were all young people, brothers and sisters. إِنَّهُمْ فِتْيَةٌ آمَنُوا بِرَبِّهِمْ وَزِدْنَاهُمْ هُدَىٰ وَرَبَطْنَا عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ إِذْ قَامُوا فَقَالُوا رَبُّنَا رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ لَنْ نَدْعُوا لن ندعو من دونه إلها لقد قلنا إذا شططا. Allah mentions young people dedicated to them in a whole chapter called Surah Al-Kahf. Dedicated to young people. Allah says they were indeed. What were they? He says. He says they were indeed. A group of young men who had faith in their Lord. And we increased them in guidance. And strengthened their hearts when they stood up and proclaimed, Our Lord is the Lord of the heavens and the earth. We shall call upon no other God beside Him. For if we did so, we shall be uttering a blasphemy. We are going to talk now. Three examples of young people. And how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides you. What should you become? How should you live your life? Yes, young people are full of integrity and cultivation, energy, innovative and creative. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will change this world on your hands, insha'Allah ta'ala. But you need to have the proper character 
and the proper guidance. And where else can you get the proper character and guidance than from the Quran? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dedicated. Tonight I will use three examples. Dedicated three particular surahs just to the young people. They are Surah Al-Kahf, followed by Surah Luqman, followed by Surah Yusuf. And there is also one in Surah Maryam about Ibrahim alayhi salam, but I'll talk about the first three insha'Allah. Let's look at Surah Al-Kahf number one. Surah Al-Kahf talks about your identity, your foundation, your integrity, and what you stand for. Allah says in the Quran, أَمْ حَسِبْتَ أَنَّ أَصْحَابَ الْكَهْفِ وَالرَّقِيمِ كَانُوا مِنْ آيَاتِنَا عَجَبًا Allah begins chapter 18 verse 9 with the following question to the people of Quraysh and to Muhammad sallallahu in answer to the kuffar, the disbelievers, when they said, how can you tell us that there is a God who created all of this? So Allah replied by saying, well, you know the story that you all talk about, which has now become a legend to you. He's talking to the Jews, the Christians, and the people of Mecca in his time. Because in the scriptures, the story of these young men called the men or the young men of the cave is mentioned in the ancient scriptures. Allah says, Do you think that the people of the cave and the inscription were one of our wondrous signs? The story of the young men is that there was a tyrant king in their time, an emperor, who forced the people to worship idols. He had changed the religion and the way of Musa salam, Moses, and made the people go into a false, misguided belief of a twisted type of Christianity. And there were some Christians who still stuck to the original beliefs of Jesus, peace be upon him, Isa Among them were these young group of friends. This tyrant ruler heard that these young men had chosen to stick to a different belief than what the emperor had allowed the people to believe in. And based on that belief, he ran his country. These young men stood up and said, no. The God, the creator who created this emperor and the entire world deserves to be believed in. We will make a stance. So they protested, meaning they stood up and they began to teach the people in open. People, this is not the teachings of the prophets and messengers. These are the teachings. There's only one God worthy of worship. The emperor heard about them. And he summoned them and he asked them, what do you believe in? Even though the emperor knew what they were believing in. Why did he ask them the question? Because they were young uh, teenagers. They were probably 16, 17 years old. And so because they were so young, the emperor wanted to give them a chance. He said, I'll give you three days to think about if you're going to stick to that belief or change it, because this is similar to treason. Although it wasn't treason, it's just a belief. So they went for three days. In those three days, they took the opportunity to run away from the land. They looked at each other, Allah says, Allah says, when those youths sought refuge in the cave and said, Our Lord, grant us mercy from yourself and provide for us rectitude in our affairs. 
The first thing we learn about these young people is what did they do? They ran away with their religion. Why? Number one, they were not powerful enough to resist the emperor and his army. There were just a few of them, less than 10 in number. Less than 10 in number. Maybe five, maybe seven, maybe uh, eight, something like that. Allah does not give us their number in particular because Allah does not want to busy us with little, tiny, superficial knowledge which doesn't benefit us. The first thing we learn from here is young people do not enter into debates and argumentations that waste your time on superficial things that do not benefit you. If you remember in a class in the past, I gave a hadith which some people misunderstood. The hadith, which is uh, acceptable by scholars, says... If you want to perfect your religion and your iman, stay away from that which does not concern or benefit you. Some people thought that we're not allowed to talk about even oppression or, any, or, or guiding people or advising people or you know, commanding good and prohibiting evil. No, no, no. It means things that will not benefit you in your, in your religion, in your hereafter and in this world. Some people said, oh, so we don't make dua and we don't talk about our brothers and sisters in Gaza. We say, no, that does concern you. This is oppression. Everybody has to stand up against oppression because it involves mankind. It means, do not busy yourselves with debates and argumentations and people's personal lives that benefit you nothing. Things that are truly personal are supposed to be personal. Such as uh, prying on people saying con continuously, why, you know, why haven't you had a baby yet? How do you, what do you do at home? How come you don't do this? How come you do that? Just personal things that got nothing to do with religion, nothing to do with advice, no benefit whatsoever. Gossip and backbiting, for example. Trying to know personal, private things that are none of your business about a personal life. Debating and talking about things that benefit you nothing except waste your time. I see it on the internet all the time. People splitting hairs, straw man arguments. Why? Allah says, doesn't matter about their number. Some people say, but how many were they exactly? Imagine people debating for a week. There were no, there were eight, there were nine. No, the dog was the tenth. No, I reckon the scriptures are right. What for? Allah says, who cares? Your Lord knows how many they were. It doesn't really matter. What matters is the purpose and what we learn from them. They were a young people, full of energy, full of strength. They didn't fear talking about the truth. They ran away with their religion because they were persecuted because of their religion. And this means that a person should migrate and leave a land in which their religion is persecuted. You are not allowed to practice your deen there. You are imprisoned if you pray. You are imprisoned if you, uh, if you are seen to eat pork, for example. You are imprisoned for standing up to show that you're, you know, a person of such and such a belief. You're persecuted. Or a place which affects your religion directly and directly and realistically turns you away from your religion. These boys, they ran away with their religion because they knew if they were going to stay there, they were going to be persecuted to their religion and probably even be caused to forcefully move away from their religion because of torture. So they left with their religion. And they said to each other, let's seek refuge. They saw a cave. Now on their way, a dog saw them in a farm. And the dog followed them. They tried to get rid of it, but the dog insisted on staying with them. 
Allahu alam why God knows best why the dog is in the picture, but perhaps some scholars said animals are also an example of uh, worship of Allah. We look at animals and we, and we see how Allah had created them. The way they are naturally teaches us Allah also brought us a religion, Islam, the natural religion. That just as the animals and the creatures worship Allah, Allah has honored us and we have a choice. So we should choose also to worship Allah, just like everything in creation worships Allah. The dog followed them and they found a cave and hid inside it. They said, let's go into this cave and hide. Allah says, when they sat inside the cave and they went to sleep, the dog went and stood uh, and, and sat with his legs out as a guard. Cutting the story short, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them fall asleep. They fell asleep and they went for hundreds of years asleep. We don't know how many years. Again, Allah says, some will say it was 309 years. Some will say 300 and so many years, whatever. Allah says, Say, Allah knows how long they were really in there. Again, don't sit there debating over little superficial things. Then they woke up after hundreds of years and they hadn't known that they had slept for that long. When they woke up, they thought it was a night or two nights. They quarreled among each other. They said, How long do you think you were asleep? We were a day or part of a day. Now Allah uses a word, لبثتم, and this word is usually used for death because sleep is minor death. And truly they went to a state that was similar to death, but they were just asleep. And Allah would make the sun rays come in from the right and from the left when the sun rose and when the sun set in order to give them vitamin D and sunlight and everything. And we, Allah says, we made their bodies toss and turn right and left so that their bodies don't decay and so on. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looked after them and preserved them and protected them. Now, listen to this. When they woke up, they said, Allah knows. One said, oh, maybe a day. The other one said, uh, two days. The other one says, it feels like a week. Another one said, a few hours. Then in the end, they said, listen, our Lord knows how long we were asleep for. Now, take this coin and go out and buy us some food. But don't let anyone see you. They thought the emperor was still there. So then when they went out, and also I want to point out something. This young youth were wise and intelligent. They didn't sit there debating and having a fight night and day how long they slept for. In the end they said, Khalas, Allah knows how many. Let's now focus on our goal. Don't lose sight of the goal. Don't lose sight of the goal. That's why when I, say, when I hear about brothers and sisters going out for protests, I say to you, don't lose sight of your goal. You're rallying, you're voicing. I support it, inshallah. In this case, I support it. We'll talk about it soon, inshallah. That, focus on the goal. Do things that please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't get provoked. Don't let them use you, and so on. These boys, they went out quietly. When they took the coin, the story is long. Anyway, the people of the community found out that they were the ancient people who had vanished. And they brought the police guard and all that stuff, and they came and they found the cave in which there was inscriptions and things. So people had known about them. And the generations had changed. There were approximately, you know, as I said, a few hundred years, maybe 200 years, 300 years, between when the last emperor was there and this generation. And I want to highlight something. The people of the land had changed their ways. They had left polytheism and they had changed from the old emperor who was unjust and oppressed the people 
and the persecution in religion had gone. The new generation had changed everything that was before. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, listen carefully. Sometimes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows certain events, and at times they could be extremely catastrophical, to the point that it makes such an explosive awareness throughout the globe, all people, that it becomes unforgettable, carved into the memories of every person, and it will not be forgotten, and then Allah brings a new generation soon, when they grow up and gives them power and strength to change the oppression of the generation before them. As Allah says, These days never stay the same. We replace people with others. In other verses, Allah replaces power with other authorities when they become unjust. So don't despair, brothers and sisters. What is happening to our brothers and sisters in Gaza? And, there are, and I have to mention, there are Christian Palestinians there because this is a thing of oppression whose lands have been stolen, whose lands have been taken. And these people are oppressed in the eyes of Allah and now in our eyes. The awareness that has been done in such a hurtful, painful way can now never be forgotten, inshallah. And I believe that the next generations will change this state, inshallah ta'ala. Inshallah. Brothers and sisters, these young people went back into the cave. They slept that night and never woke up again. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused them to die. But the, all the people there had returned back to monotheism because of their story. And they built a, a place of worship above them. Now there was another group who said, let's build a wall around them. But Allah says, Those who were more in power that overstepped them, they said, let's build a worshipping place over them. Meaning that the people who wanted to build a wall were right, but they were too weak to have authority. The authority said, put a worshipping place over them, which is wrong, because we're not meant to build masjids and worshipping places over people whom we call saints and prophets. Rasul said, May Allah Rasul he said, Don't do what the Jews and Christians did before. Curse them, those who did this. They turned their prophets' graves into mosques and places of worship, like churches and synagogues in the past. So we don't do that. But anyway, I wanted to make a point that those who are in authority make the decision, and those who are in, there could be weak people who are on truth, they try their best. As it is presented here in Surah Al-Kahf, Allah says, a little group of people who didn't have authority among them said, let's build a wall around them. Those who had authority and power above them, they said, no, no, we are going to build a worshipping place over them. It means that even if you are a small amount and you don't have power, you do what you can. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Whoever of you sees an evil or wrong, then change it physically. Physically. But if you are not able to change it physically, meaning, number one, truly you are not capable. You don't have the power to do so. Or if you change it physically, it will cause a greater evil. 
Sometimes you might see an evil and you say, I can't change that physically. But if you do it, you've got to think wise. Will it cause another problem, a bigger problem? Then you can't change it physically. If you can't change it physically or it's not wise to do so, use your tongue with your voice. Same conditions. Finally, in your heart, know your belief, know what you stand for, and always remember that. That's the last resort. You can't go any more than that. Because nobody can change your heart. No one can change your belief. Isn't that right? You own your belief, alhamdulillah. So brothers and sisters, one thing also I want to say about these young men. Did you realize something very important? And that is how they stuck together. Who is your friendship circle? Young people, if you want to be leaders and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with you and you change things from worst, from bad to good and become people of benefit and people who are loved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you cultivate what you have and you're productive and you make changes and you save yourself and you're people of Jannah, then be careful the company that you associate yourselves with. Some people you have no choice, like family, friends at school. Choosing your company means those who you become like and you always want to be with. Rasulullah said on a day of judgment, a person will be gathered with those whom they love, those who they imitate. Sometimes your company may not be with you. Sometimes they're people that you follow on social media, influencers and uh, all that stuff and celebrities who lead you astray or lead you in a good way. That's your company now. And if you really want to know a formula, one person is the, is the, uh, one person is the result of four or five people around you in your life. Those four or five people that you spend most of your time, whether at distance, from a distance or close, is you are the product of these four or five people. Nobody really has more than four or five people that influences. And you have between three to five. These are the people that influence you the most. So monitor who your company is and lessen a little bit from here, increase a little bit from there. One of the best places to come to the masjid with the community of the Muslims is and sift through who you get closer to and who you don't, inshaAllah ta'ala. These people, these young men, they stuck together because they reminded each other of righteousness and perseverance. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Allah says, on the day of judgment, the best friends will become the biggest enemies. Except the pious one and righteous ones who are God-fearing. They used to remind each other of righteousness and goodness. They used to fear Allah. Oh, my dear servants, now Allah addresses you, those who are close to each other on piety. Oh, my dear servants, muttaqin, the pious ones, there will be no fear upon you. And there will be no sadness that is awaiting you. The ones 
who believed in all my verses. And they were, and they were submitters as Muslims. Those are the triumphant ones. We move on now to Surat Luqman. Surat Luqman talks to young people. This time it's about morals, ethics, and character. We all believe in Allah. We all believe in the Quran. Some of us pray five times a day. Any person who is just Muslim by name goes to Hajj, goes to Umrah. That's all the easy part. The real part is here. How do you live your life? How do you interact with others? How are you as a person? How do you work? How is your contracts? How do you speak? How do you walk? Where does your money come from? How do you spend it? How are you with your family? How are you with your neighbors? How are you with your colleagues? How are you, are you as a person? How are you with your children? How are you with your parents? This is the tough advice. You believe, you pray, has to have an effect. What is salat for? Inna salata tanha anil fahsha'i wal munkar. Salah and prayer is supposed to prevent from immoral and indecent acts and sinful acts. If it doesn't, you've got to review whether you're praying with consciousness, whether you are present in your prayer. And I'm going to give you a little tiny hint to improve your prayer in, insha'Allah. Two hints. Here is one very quick hack. Number one, before you pray, brothers and sisters, give yourself 10 seconds to just stand there and reflect. Don't talk to anyone. Put your phone away. Wait. Calm down. And then say, Allahu Akbar. The second hint, instead of spending a quick rak'ah when you go into bowing, uh, just stay five more seconds more. Every movement you make, make five more seconds. Just five more seconds. In the end, the difference between an amazing prayer and a quickened prayer that had no consciousness or you weren't present in will equal to about a minute and a half to two minutes. That's all. And that's in the bag. I'll give you a third hint. If you're not feeling it in your normal salat, heck, just randomly, randomly make wudu and offer two rak'ahs in the middle of the day. Voluntarily. I promise you, you're going to feel a different presence to your salat, inshallah. These are just three simple hints. Let's look now at Surat Luqman. He was a righteous man. He was not a prophet. His name is Luqman. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions just his name in the Quran. And he now is advising his son. His son has just reached puberty. And this advice, everything I've said, brothers and sisters, applies to men and women. Although it happened to be that this story is about the men. But they are both men and women. So Allah, Allah sends in the Quran, وَإِذْ قَالَ لُقْمَانُ لِبْنِهِ وَهُوَ يَعِظُهُ يَا بُنَيَّ لَا تُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ إِنَّ الشِّرْكَ لَظُلْمٌ عَظِيمٌ Allah says in chapter 31 verse 13, And call to mind when Luqman said to his son while exhorting him, My son, do not associate others with Allah in his divinity. Surely associating others with Allah in his divinity is a mighty wrong. So, it all starts with your identity and your belief. If you don't have your tawheed and your monotheism correct, forget about everything else. All your actions are destroyed. Who are you praying to? If, you're, if, if you've got polytheism in you, who are you praying to? All of it is gone. Secondly, Allah says, now listen to this, this might hurt some of the youngsters, but it's a key to your development. 
ووصينا الإنسان بوالديه حملته أمه وهنا على وهن وفصاله في عامين وفصاله في عامين أن اشكر لي ولوالديك إلي المصير. We enjoined upon man to be dutiful to his parents. His mother bore him in weakness upon weakness, and his weaning lasted two years. We therefore enjoined upon him, give thanks to me, and give thanks to your parents. To me is your ultimate return. To me is your ultimate return. Who's your ultimate return? Meaning you and your parents. If, if you complain, your parents mistreat you and all that stuff, and you do good to them, Allah says in the Quran, don't worry about that. You just do your part as a son or a daughter. That is part of your development. And that will come back to either reward you or bite you when you grow older and you have your own family. Trust me, you do your part to your parents. If they mistreat you and don't do their duty, well, I've told you in the end here, all of you will come back to me. And I, in other words, Allah is saying, I will judge between you, don't worry. If you had a right against your parents, I'll take it back. If your parents had a right against you, I will sort it out. You do your part. You do your part not because you think they deserve, your parents deserve it or not. You do your part because I've just reminded you, you already owe them from the moment you were born. I just told you, Allah says, your father and mother, they sacrificed and waited and gave you security until you grew up. Your mother breastfed you for two whole years and the pain that she went through. If you don't know, ask your mothers how weaning happens. If you don't know about pregnancy, ask your mothers if you dare. You don't know what they go through. And here you are. So brothers and sisters, Allah says you already owe them. Whether they are Muslim or not. Allah then says another advice. وَإِن جَاهَدَاكَ عَلَىٰ أَن تُشْرِكَ بِمَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِهِ عِلْمٌ فَلَا تُطِعْهُمَا وَصَاحِبْهُمَا فِي الدُّنْيَا مَعْرُوفًا وَاتَّبِعْ سَبِيلَ مَنْ أَنَابَ إِلَيَّ ثُمَّ إِلَيَّ مَرْجِعُكُمْ فَأُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِمَا كُنْتُمْ تَعْمَلُونَ but if they, your parents, press you to associate others with me in my divinity, to associate those regarding whom you have no knowledge, that they are my associates, meaning if they cause you to do kufr, disbelief, do not obey them. Do not obey them. And yet, continue to treat them well in this world and follow the way of him who turns to me in devotion. Eventually, it is to me that all of you shall return, and I shall then tell you all that you did. Again, Allah is saying, you do your part. I will judge your parents, and I will judge you together. As for following, just because your parents tell you to do the wrong thing, you don't obey them. Your duty is to continue to be good to them as much as you can, as a child. But you don't have to follow them. Allah says, follow whoever is devoted to me. And this also goes to show about people who carry on their ancestral beliefs in the wrong way. They say, my family bloodline taught me to believe in that. And if a family believes that a wall is God, they'll say, I'll worship the wall. Not because it's the truth, because it's my family bloodline. Allah says, don't. Don't follow your parents in wrong. Say, my father was in wrong. As Ibrahim used to say, he said, 
my father, you're following the shaitan. The, yani, the shaitan is, is, is leading you astray. Yusuf السلام, when he was in the prison, Prophet Joseph, he said to his companions in the prison, I left the worship of those who were astray and followed the correct worship of my forefathers. Because my forefathers were on the truth, I followed them, not because they were my forefathers. Allah then says that Luqman said to his son, Ya Bunaya in Takumithkala Habatim Min Hordalin Fatakunfi Sohratin Aufis Samawati Aufil Ard Aufil Ardia Tibihallah In Allah Halatifun Habir. Look, man said, My son. Allah will bring forth everything, even if it be as small as the grain of a mustard seed, even though it be hidden inside a rock or anywhere in the heavens or earth. Allah is most subtle, all aware. What is he telling his son? He's saying, son, don't only worship Allah in open when people are watching you. Don't only do good when people are watching you. Fear Allah and do good to be the same when you are in private, alone, when no one is watching you. For know that if you think that you're in the dark, thinking that no one sees you, I remind you of Allah who sees the little tiny seed, even if it's inside of a rock. So who are you going to hide from? Who are you going to hide from? Huh? When you are alone, Allah is there. So beware, son. And as the great scholars used to say, I think it was Umar who said, you will know your true faith. When your actions in public are the same as in private. Of course, there are people who make mistakes and sin in private, but these people repent and they keep it a secret between them and Allah and they don't feel good about it. That is also a sign of good faith, but inshallah, they need to work towards improving themselves as much as they can. So you're not a hypocrite if your public affairs and your private affairs clash. You're a hypocrite if you deliberately try to appear in public only and when you're in private you do not care whatsoever you have no care you say stuff that i don't even believe in all that stuff that's hypocrisy but if you do care but you're weak to your desires in secret that's a different story alhamdulillah know that allah is forgiving and try to walk towards improving yourself he then says to his son Ya Bunaya, Akimis Salata, what more bill Marof, you and Hanil Munkari was Birala Sobek in the Likamin Azmil Umur. Oh, my son, establish prayer. Enjoin all that is good and forbid all that is evil. And endure with patience whatever affliction befalls you. Without a doubt, these are among the qualities of true courage and determination. Do you remember in the beginning we said that a Muslim embraces suffering? Here it is. Life is built on suffering, brothers and sisters. The problem with people is that they expect this life to be paradise. You're going the wrong way. This life is not meant to be like that. So, it's your choice. Choose to be determined and brave to face suffering and take it as a positive thing and continue and show yourself and to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you are still resilient and strong and now you have your brothers and sisters in Gaza who are showing you that. Or, 
you can turn that into a weakness and a punishment in this world and also in the hereafter. Anything that happens to your brothers and sisters, know that you have the ability, inshallah, to get through it. And nothing lasts forever. Everything changes. And you'll come out stronger than ever before. It starts with the mindset. It starts with the mindset. Rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, Wasbir ala ma asabak. Be resilient, persevering. Be persevering and hold yourself together. No matter how much you get rattled when hardships come to you. Asabak, musibah, means things that you did not expect. When you were going in a particular smooth line and suddenly a tragedy happens that was unexpected that causes you pain and, going, and backwardness. You think you're going backward. That's called a musibah. Allah says that Luqman said to his son, be patient, get through it son. Get through it because it's only a short time. You've got to get through it. It's a test. It's a test for you. Get through it. You're going to be stronger after it. And now learn from it. This indeed is the true quality of courage and determination. Once you do that, brothers and sisters, you'll be that 3% of the world who moves forward, insha'Allah. Allah then says, Allah then says, Do not contemptuously turn your face away from people, nor walk haughtily upon the earth. Allah does not love the arrogant and the vainglorious. Let's go through that very quickly. Luqman is saying to his son, do not turn your face away from people contemptuously. It means when you think that you are superior to others and better than others, they are not worthy of you giving them your attention. It doesn't mean that everybody has to give their attention to every person. Your time is precious and sometimes you can't. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean practically like you truly are busy or you've you know, you got priorities. No. What it means is that when you do it because you think you're superior to them and they're not worthy of you. Do you understand the difference? This is called arrogance and pride. Racism, when you, when you think you're, you're racist, you, you think you're superior, where you've got supremacy over others, you think that because you've got more money, this person can't talk to you. You've got a nicer car, can't hang out, can't be seen with this person. You've got your own community, the others are peasants. You're up here, man. You're a hotshot. If you were to look for Rasulullah and you went back in time 1,400 years ago and you wanted to find the Prophet but you've never seen him, where do you think is the first place you should look? It's not prayer time, but... Imagine it's not prayer time, and you went back in time 1,400 years, you entered into Medina, and you're looking for the Prophet You find out there are no battles, he's not overseas, he's in town, it's not Salat time, it's not Jumu'ah, and he's not with his family. Where do you think is the first place you should look? Look for poor people. Look for where poor people are sitting. You can recognize them. That is your biggest chance of finding the Prophet ﷺ because he used to love sitting with the poor people. That's what it means. Do you know the story? Abasa wa tawalla anja'ahu al-a'ma. 
He frowned and turned away when the blind man came to him. He's talking about the Prophet ﷺ. A blind man came to him. Rasul ﷺ had leaders of Quraysh. He wanted to talk to them about Islam. And he thought, if I can talk to them and they can convert to Islam or revert, then they will give strength to Islam. So it's a good cause. But the blind man came, not knowing the Prophet ﷺ was talking to leaders. And then he says, Ya Rasulullah, Ya Rasulullah. He wants to ask him a question. Well, he called him Ya Muhammad. He wasn't Muslim yet. And he kind of avoided him. And Allah reprimanded Rasulullah. He says, Abbas, he frowned and turned away from the blind man when he came to him. And how would you know, O Messenger of God, whether the blind man will be more beneficial than the leaders that you are talking to? That's what it means. Secondly, he says, Do not walk haughtily. What does that mean? To walk haughtily means, you know, the types of people who walk. Swaggering, a cocky type of walk, hot shots, the type of talk which screams, all eyes on me. That type of walk. You seen those types of people? I hope you're not one of them, brothers and sisters. You know that walk? Allah hates that walk. Allah hates that walk. Swaggering, cocky type of walk, all eyes on me, mate. I'm the best. Ever heard that Lebanese? Lyric, anyway, it means that you are too good for the, for the earth to even be worthy of your feet. So brothers and sisters, Allah hates that type of walk. It's not literally the walk, like you can walk straight. And it doesn't mean that you've got to walk with your back arched. Umar ibn Khattab saw a man with his head dangling and arched. He said to him, stand up. Don't make Islam look like it's a, it's a, don't make Islam look like it's a sickness. Islam is not a sickness. Stand up straight. Another man was walking with pride. Rasul said, Allah hates that walk. However, only in one time Allah loved that walk. His name was Abu Dujana. He used to wear a red ribbon in the time of war, in battle. And when he wore his red ribbon, he stood out. Islam doesn't like people who show off and stand out. But he stood out. Why? The enemies, when they saw him wear the red ribbon, he knew he was going to become a lion. Don't mess with the red ribbon man. And one day he was walking with his, with his chest up high and his head up high, the swaggering walk, the one that looked really full of arrogance. And he started walking up and down in front of the enemy. Rasul laughed and he said, Allah hates that walk except in this situation because it caused fear and intimidation to the enemy. In that case, yes, but not a person outside that in his car cut you off, brothers and sisters. That's not the person that you go and show your swaggering nature. It's not when you get into a fight outside over something stupid. No, a Muslim is not like that. Allah says, In the original, implies a person who has a very high opinion of himself. Allah does not like people who think of themselves higher than others. I'm the best. I'm the greatest. Fakhur doesn't like Fakhur is the one who boasts of his superiority over others. He doesn't stop talking about himself. Every time someone talks, he's the loudest. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, be moderate. Be moderate in your stride. 
and lower your voice. Verily the, most verily, the most disgusting of all voices is the braying of the donkey. The braying of the donkey. In those days, donkey wasn't a foul word. It wasn't an insulting word. Donkey is donkey. But you know how the donkey sounds when it brays. So Allah subhanahu wa is saying, be moderate in your stride. Meaning, don't walk on earth or drive your car or get on your motorbike or your horse and think you're higher than everyone else. Not that type. Some people, they go and do burnout so that everyone can see, um, you, know, <laughs> you know, what a sick, cool dude this guy is. Some people post it on social media. What? No one else had a boy? You know, they put all these colors and everything. And I mean, I know you're happy, but honestly, it's not a very good character for a Muslim. Or other things, boasting about what you got, boasting about what you achieved, boasting, boasting. Bo honestly, wallah, I'm telling you, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Maybe just your family. Tell you something. Come down off the horse a little bit. Wallah, you'll feel better. I promise you, wallah, you'll feel better. Nothing wrong with driving a nice car. Nothing wrong with driving a nice motorbike. I hate motorbikes, but let's say you've got a motorbike. But just be moderate. Don't do, it, don't do it for the people. Anything, anything in life, don't be haughty. Be moderate and humble. One way to be humble is to praise other people's belongings. Genuinely. I've got a friend, every time he sees me in my car, he says, Wallah, bro, mashallah, tabarakallah. May Allah bless your car. Wallah, it's beautiful. And he smiles. You know how good I feel? I also feel humbled. So I tried it myself. It makes me feel amazing. It's like I own 10 of those cars when I praise it. It's like I own the best beauty in the world when I praise my brother's beautiful face. All right? In a brotherly way. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Lastly, Allah speaks to the young people in Surat Yusuf. Now, oh, one more thing. Raising your voice. It doesn't mean that you don't raise your voice. It doesn't mean that you make your voice... Little and small. What's your name? <laughs> What's your name? No, no, no. And you don't scream it out. What it means is, when there's a need to raise your voice, raise it. When there's no need, lower it. But in normal cases, keep it moderate. It means, this is what it means. It means that when you're in a gathering, when you're out in the street, when you're with your family, don't have a habit of always needing to raise your voice so that everyone can hear you and no one else. You want to be the person where all eyes are on them and all ears are on them. Allah does not like that. Be moderate and listen, give and take. Wallah, you'll feel better about yourself. So these are things that a youth should learn, inshallah, as they grow older. And I swear, wallahi, you'll develop into an amazing person. Lastly is Surat Yusuf. We all know the story of Surat Yusuf. Yusuf alayhi salam is known for many reasons. Number one, he was a child of about 10 or 11 years old when he saw the dream. Next, he had a good relationship with his father and his mother. Third, he went through domestic violence. His brothers tried to kill him, and then they threw him in the well, and they sold him to merchants passing by. He became a slave. He missed his father. His father missed his son. He cried for him so badly over these until he became blind. He missed his brother, who was from his same mother. And he ended up becoming a slave in Egypt. The story goes long. The most important part for the young people is the following. Allah says, 
ولما بلغ أشده آتيناه حكما وعلما وكذلك نجزي المحسنين Allah says in chapter 12 verse 22 And when Joseph, Yusuf reached the age of maturity we granted him judgment and knowledge Thus do we reward those who do good So the first thing about young people is to educate yourself Read, educate, gather skills, gather more knowledge Read about anything that will benefit you. It doesn't have to be purely hadith, purely aqidah, purely uh, seerah. That, do it and learn a little bit of it. But you don't have to be a scholar in, every, in one area. Read about other things. Anything of your interest, that is beneficial to you and to others and to your hereafter. Develop yourself and cultivate yourself, brothers and sisters, so that you are able to judge better and know better. Number two, Allah says, وَرَاوَدَتْهُ الَّتِي هُوَ فِي بَيْتِهَا عَنْ نَفْسِهِ وَغَلَّقَتِ الْأَبَوَابَ وَقَالَتْ هَيْتَ لَكَ قَالَ مَعَاذَ اللَّهِ إِنَّهُ رَبِّي أَحْسَنَ مَثْوَايِ إِنَّهُ لَا يُفْلِحُ الظَّالِمُونَ and it so happened that the lady in whose house Yusuf was living sought to tempt him to herself. And one day, after she bolted the doors, she said to him, Come on now, come on. Joseph answered, May Allah grant me refuge. My Lord has provided me an honorable abode for me. So how can I do something so evil? Such wrongdoers never prosper. Brothers and sisters, he was tempted by a powerful, strong a woman who had him as a slave and she locked the doors and he was a slave. On top of that, he was the most attractive man any person has ever laid their eyes on. We all know about Yusuf salam. A slave. Nobody cares what he does. If he does anything haram with her, everyone's going to blame her. How could an honorable woman of power seduce her slave? It's her reputation on the line, not his. So he's got nothing to lose. Number two, she'll protect him. She'll look after him. So he's got some things to gain, not only through pleasure, but also through life. Number three, she locked the doors. Nobody's going to find out. And number four, anything that goes wrong, she'll cover him. But what did he say? Allah. Oh, I seek refuge in Allah. And then he said, my Lord has looked after me. Remember Allah's blessings that he has put upon me and the hereafter and why he has created me and all of that stuff. My brothers and sisters, he said, those who are wrongdoers never prosper, meaning those who follow their temptations and desires will not prosper. If you allow your desires and your temptations to control you, you become a slave to your desires. If you become a slave to your desires and you get tempted by the opposite sex or the same sex or whatever you want to call it, or by a chair even, or by a wall or whatever. Some people today, they get tempted by so many things. Then brothers and sisters, you are now a slave to your temptations. You will not prosper. What does it mean? It means that you will not be able to put in a place of leadership and authority with power that people will follow you and respect you. You will not be able to control yourself because you'll be easily tempted and fall into temptations and desires. I hear of stories where people used to work in the corporate world and they tell me, uh, this day and age in the West, if we wear the wedding ring, we take it off. I said, why do you take it off? They said to me, when you have a wedding ring, the women, they go after you. 
And the men go after a woman who's wearing a wedding ring. I said, why? Why? I said, because there's no strings attached. They know you're not going to come after them after that. So it's like a one-night stand and nothing's going to happen. Two night stands, a hundred night stands. But they said, oh, because he's wearing a ring, he'll go back to his wife. He won't say anything or do anything. Wallahi, so many brothers and even some sisters have fallen into this. I know their stories. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved them. And their iman was strong. Some of them left their old businesses in their corporate world or wherever they worked in order to escape this. Yusuf alayhi salam, his story is long and uh, he ran to the door. He ran away from her. And she ran after him. And she grabbed his shirt from the back. She wants to pull him back to her. And she ripped his shirt from the aggressiveness. And then her husband, well, we assume he's her husband or her man, he arrived at the door. Immediately she said, what's the punishment of somebody who seduces your wife? Except to be imprisoned or a torture. Because you're supposed to kill them. It's... But she said, prison or torture. Meaning she's trying to keep him alive. Why? Because she wants to seduce him again. So he said, she's the one that seduced me. So they got a judge and one member of her family bed witness said, if his shirt is ripped from the front, then he seduced her. And if it's ripped from the back, she seduced him. When they found his shirt ripped from the back, he, her husband, said to her, this is from your plots. Yusuf, come here. Can you keep this quiet? Just forget about it. And so it was forgotten. Women in the city said, oh, look, look, the, mystery, the, 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 um, the powerful woman, the wife of the treasurer, seduced her own slave. She's gone crazy. She's nuts. She's psycho. So then she called them to come in and she got a cushion and some pillows and gave them some food to cut with a knife. As they were cutting and talking, she told Yusuf to come out. When he came out, they all just stared at him, mesmerized and hypnotized. And they forgot that they were cutting the fruit or vegetable, whatever is in their hands. Allah says, They began slicing their own hands without realizing. Over and over again. They sliced it once, twice, three times. Because they were so hypnotized by his looks, they didn't even realize they're cutting their hands three, four times. They say, oh God, that's not a human. Oh, he is but an angel, a generous, beautiful angel. And then the woman said, this is the one that you accused me of and looked down on me and degraded me. Look what happened to you. And if he doesn't do what I said, because I am the one who seduced him, I'm going to get him imprisoned. Yusuf السلام, went and made dua to Allah that night and said, قَالَ رَبِّ السِّجْنُ أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ مِمَّا يَدْعُونَنِي إِلَيَّ He said, my Lord, the prison is more beloved to my heart than what they are calling me to do. So now it's collective. All the women have this intention. He said, the prison is more beloved to me than what they are calling me to do. Because that's going to hellfire. The prison of this world is now more beloved. And if you do not deter them away from me, I will probably fall prey to them in my normal human nature. And I will become among the ignorant and lost ones. 
His Lord responded to him, He saved him from them. Allah hears all prayers and he knows all of what happening. And then he ended up in prison. And the story is long. He ended up becoming the treasurer of Egypt, a big powerful person. And he was, uh, a court came and they found out that she truly seduced him and so on and so forth. And his whole family came back. And his dream came true where his parents bowed to him and his brothers who tried to kill him bowed to him. Brothers and sisters, the story of Yusuf salam, this young man, is an amazing story for young people. These are the formulas today that I told you, brothers and sisters, that will create an amazing man and an amazing woman out of you, young people. That will create a paradise on earth and a paradise in the hereafter for you. You will be that generation in which Allah will use for his work in this life. I hope, insha'Allah, Ya Rabb, that you have learned something from here tonight and can take away at least one or two things. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Most High, to bless you, my young brothers and sisters. I swear by Allah that I care about you with all my heart. I've been giving you know, lectures and stuff 26 years. People know me from here from the masjid. And my main concern has always been the young people. Wallahi al-Azim. Because you are an extremely powerful entity that Allah has created. But it saddens me. When young people waste their youth, I look at them, wallahi, I tear up. And I say, I wish, I wish these young people knew how powerful and amazing they are. So don't waste your lives. Grow yourselves. Develop yourselves, have your iman, and follow these examples. Attach yourself to the Qur'an every day. Read it for 15 minutes, brothers and sisters. Try to understand what it's saying. Live with it. I hope, inshallah, Ya Rabb, that I have done some justice tonight. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve you, bless you. Hada wa sallallahu ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.